Okay, so uh, let's let's uh, let's start with a quote. Okay, famous quote by Theodore Roosevelt from back in 1910. Are you ready? All right, get your listening ears on. I used to teach children's church. Get your listening ears on, and then pull the movie screen down in your mind. And as I as I say the words, just picture it. Turn the words into a word picture in your mind in the movie screen. You got it? Okay. All right, you ready? It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But he who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. Amen. Amen and amen. So... As you listen to that, and you think about that, and you think about that word picture, um, you know, I like to, where were you? Were you, do you live your life in the stands, watching? Or are you in the arena, going for it, going after it, being willing to try new things, being willing to fail, being willing to get back up and go? Where are we? You know, it's, it's important to know where we are, whether we're in the stands or whether we're in the arena. I personally have a passion for helping people to recognize um, and to understand who they've been created to be, what their giftings are, what their talents are. I want to be the person who kicks people into the arena and allows them to go after life in a really, really great way. Does that make sense? So I actually believe, I have a super high expectation for tonight. I have a very high expectation, so I hope that you do too. I really, truly believe that you, you guys are going to get to, I don't know, 60, 70 years old, or I don't know, 90, whatever, and you're going to think back and you're going to go, there was this one time that God did something so great in my life that it broke me free of all this stuff, and I was able to go after life with my whole heart, with my whole everything, because I didn't know that this one thing was holding me back. I have that much expectation on this night. I want you to know that, okay? And uh, it's, it's just going to be great. Okay, so I, um, I have a super passion for helping people to understand and know what their giftings are, okay? It is actually, I, I don't know why God has given me this gift, but I do. Anytime I ever have a word of knowledge for someone or anytime I ever, I love to pull out people's giftings. It's just, some, it's a gift that I have. And so, and I'm going to define giftings as anything that is listed in the Bible under giftings. So like Romans 12, 6 through 8, there's a whole big list of them. Not going to reference them for time because, side note, I'm going to be a fire hydrant tonight. And I'm not kidding. Like, I'm going to come at you like a fire hydrant. So I'm going to pray right now for supernatural capacity to drink it all. Okay. 
So I don't have time to go to the scriptures, but um, in Romans 12, 6 through 8, it lists a bunch of spiritual gifts. First, first Corinthians 12, um, wait, Romans 12, 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Um, I'm also using this to describe any natural talent that God has given us um, that brings glory to his name. That could be singing, dancing, cooking, poetry, creative writing, movie making, owning a business, inventing things, crafting things, painting, art. You understand what I'm saying? Anything. It's the creative gifts. It can even be an administrative gift. It is your thing. It's whatever you've been put on this earth to do. Side note, getting a headache. Pray against it. I think it's spiritual. Okay. Okay, so why is it so important to me? Okay, I know exactly what it feels like to have no idea what I've been put on this earth to do. And it is an ugly, ugly feeling. And it led me to a life of basically self-destruction. And um, when I was in high school, I'm going to tell you the story. When I was in high school, we had this assignment in art class where we had to make a me box. And this me box, I think it's a microphone. Um, this me box, you know, it's, what, six, six sides on it, right? It's a box. It's a cube And in this cube, we were supposed to use each side to represent a part of our personality, you know? So it's kind of like six sides of your personality. I had six boxes I had to fill with um, parts of me. Okay, well, I had no idea who I was. (laughs) I was thinking to myself, what in the world am I going to put in this box? I have have nothing to put in this box. Like, I, I mean, I'm a cheerleader. But what, okay, so there's that. That's one square on the box that's covered. So what else about my personality could I possibly put in this box? And I remember just being like, I have no identity. And I'm having this crisis, and I'll never forget this moment. It was just the, the worst moment, and, and that was actually just about the year that um, I turned into bad things happened. Anyway, so I know what it's like to not know what your gifting is, and, uh, and I don't like it. So how many of you in here are like, yeah, I, I know what my gift is. I know what it is. Give me a show of hands. You know what your gift is. Okay. How many of you in here have no clue? You're like, I legit have no clue why I've been put on this earth. Okay, that's great. I love it. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, your gifting is somewhere, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I think it's important to spend just, just a t- tick of time um, on what is your gifting. So number one, you need to be convinced that you have one. Did you hear me? You have to know that you know that you know that you have a gift. You have a purpose. There is a reason you've been put on this earth, and it's not just to suck air, and it's not to serve someone else's gift. Well, actually it might be, but... You have been put on this earth for a reason. And that is the first thing that you need to know. And so when you petition the Lord for it, you've got to know that he's going to answer you back. Okay. So, 
The other question that you can ask yourself is, if I had unlimited resources and no fear whatsoever, what would I be doing? You could write that down even. I'm just saying, that was good. <clears throat> okay, next question. What did you love doing when you were a child? I mean like five and six years old. What did you love doing? Did you play with Legos? Did you build things? Did you have a kitchen where you're constantly cooking things? Did you mother your baby dolls? Did you, you know, all those things actually point to your giftings. If you're constantly mothering all the time, you've kind of got a shepherding gifting. You know, if you love to cook, you've got hospitality. There's all kinds of things that you point to. The next one is, what do you watch on TV? We were talking about this. If your favorite show is Survivor or something like that, some great adventure, then that means you were called for great adventure. You were called to go in the middle of Africa into a nation that's never even been touched by people that speak English and know Jesus. You know, you were called to go to this great place. You were called for great adventure. If those are the things that you're craving and those are the things that you're, that you're seeking out, then that's actually what you've been called to do. And I love TV because it exposes us to a lot, but I hate it because our need for creativity and adventure gets satisfied right on our living room couch. And it's a shame. It stinks. Okay, so next one. What is your greatest fear? Your gift lies somewhere in the midst of your greatest fear. My greatest fear growing up was public speaking. Huge. The thought of it gave me so much anxiety. Oh, it was awful. And I also remember thinking to myself when I was seven or eight years old, I remember thinking, man, I would hate to be a preacher. Like, how could you come up with something to say every single week? And I remember thinking, that'd just be terrible. And now we talked about this. I, I have to figure out how to hone it down because there's so much to say. There's so much to say about the goodness of God and the depth of God. But do you, see what, do you see what I mean? The enemy knows your destiny too. Therefore, he is going to try to insert situations in your life, which we're going to get into this later, um, about how fear and to keep fear, to have fear from keeping you from doing what God's called you to do. Okay, so we're going to um, talk about, we're going to go to Matthew 25, 14 through 30. But some of it I'm just going to summarize. Ow. <clears throat> yes, oh my God, I love you. Okay, so, so the parable of the talent. So this is, hold on, let me apply my peppermint oil. Hippies unite. That's right. This is so bad. It seriously happened like as soon as I walked up here. Okay. God love you. Okay, so the parable of the talent. I know. Seriously, y'all. 
help it. Jesus. <sighs> okay. That's right. All right, so I'm just going to read it because my brain's not working. Okay, so we're going to start Matthew 25, verse 14. Uh, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once, traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him. You, wait a minute. You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that certainly isn't the gospel we like to talk about a lot, (laughs) right? Okay, so um, obviously in this parable, uh, he's talking about money, but I don't think it's a coincidence that it's the same word for talent or, you know, whatever. Jesus speaks in parables, so he talks in in code, which is kind of cool. But um, put this right here. Okay, so one of the things that we learn from this is that he does give some people more talents than others. Like, y'all, I cannot sing like Justin Bieber. And it's a shame because I wish I could. But I, I don't have it. It's not there. And so there are some people who have more talent than others, right? But Jesus is not necessarily concerned about the talent that you have. He's concerned about what you're doing with it. And he says that he who has more will be given. If the person who had one talent would have taken that one talent and made two talents, he would have given him more, right? Because that's what happened to the guy with the ten talents, or five, and then he got ten, and then he's, it's stewardship. It's all about stewardship. What are you doing with what you've been given? 
That is the question. <clears throat> so when we don't know what our gift is, or we are afraid to use it, we end up burying it like the man in the parable. And we hide behind this thing of... Um, just fear. We hide, behind, we hide behind fear. There was a study done in America that suggested that burying your creativity and passion was the birthplace of anxiety and depression. I can't remember because my head's rocking. Burying your creativity and passion is the birthplace of anxiety and depression. So, this is the fire hydrant part, and I'm going to do my best to describe something to you guys that, whatever. Okay. I believe um, that what keeps us from going into the arena, what keeps us from using our gifts, what keeps us burying our talent is this thing called shame. Okay. <clears throat> shame is a, is a topic that no one wants to talk about. It is, it's messy, and it's, um, shame is not guilt. Okay, let me explain to you first the difference between shame and guilt. Shame says I am bad. Guilt says I did something bad. Okay? Shame is an identity statement. It's who I am. I, there's something wrong with me. I am uniquely flawed in some way. I, I am, you know, there's just something wrong with me. <clears throat> Shame is that little voice in your head that says, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. Who do you think you are going after that, trying that? There's nothing that you have that anybody wants. It's that voice. It's that nagging feeling. Shame is also organized by gender. Men and women, it feels the same. Shame feels like we're being squeezed. Like there's this tight, like, like a boa constrictor that's wrapped around our body. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows that wash of shame that comes over us. It's like you're in an embarrassing situation or you failed in some major way and all of a sudden you're just like, oh my gosh, and you physically feel it in your body. That physical feeling is the same, but I want you to know that it's organized by gender, that men and women interpret it and understand it differently. I have an object lesson, so will you guys come up? And Sarah, I'm gonna need you soon. <laughs> sit there <laughs> be there okay can you guys see them do you want them up high or do you want them down low uh, up high come up here I want Susie on this side and I want Bruce on this side okay yep this is good Sarah start working that shameless okay so <clears throat> shame comes from life experiences, okay? It's, it's all about the way we interpret life. So life experiences give us a belief system. And Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he is the father of all lies. So he kind of hovers and waits 
would you guys agree that the enemy, literally the plan, the plan of the enemy for, oh, she, she wants grandma. The plan of the enemy for every one of you in here is for your life to be destroyed. Would you not agree? Okay. Now, is Satan omnipresent? Can he be everywhere all at once? No, he cannot. So he is a conniving little stinker. And so he has decided, he's come up with this way of figuring out how he really only has to insert himself into your life one or two times in your childhood. And you'll create a belief system and you'll end up destroying your own life. And he never has to touch you again. Okay, I'm going to expose that right now. So now at this point in time right here, I'm going to do this object lesson. I could go in eight different directions when it comes to talking about shame and fear and control, which I'm getting ready to do right now. I can talk about, um, I can talk about how abuse can turn you into having um, high levels of controlling issues like alcoholism and um, whatever, life-controlling issues, okay? For tonight, I'm keeping it in one lane of gifts and talents, okay? Like what keeps you from using your gifts and talents. So I'm going to do my best to just hone it in like this. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example. Can you guys see them? Okay. <coughs> okay, so we're going to pretend like Susie is me, okay? Susie's me. When I was eight years old, <laughs> when I was eight years old, I was cooking soup on a gas stove, okay? <laughs> you know what's coming, don't you? I was cooking soup on a gas stove, and there was a towel that apparently was next to the stove, and I was turning on the soup, and the click, 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 click. All of a sudden, this towel caught on fire, and I'm eight, cooking soup, and a towel is on fire, and I remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to burn the house down. What am I going to do? So I grab a hold of the towel, Okay, and I'm holding it, and all I can do is go, Jenny, which is my <laughs> Jenny, help! Because I had no idea. I panicked. I had no idea what to do. So Jenny comes into the kitchen, and what does she do? She rescued me. She grabs the towel. She sticks it in the sink. She turns the water on. Why did I not think of that? What was wrong with me? What happened to me? And that's what I was thinking to myself. I did not sit there and think, "Woo! thank God for my sister, which I did. Because, like, my dad would have been really mad if I would have burnt the house down. But I literally thought the enemy came and he whispered in my ear in that moment. And he said, there is something wrong with you. You, you don't know how to problem solve. You don't have the ability to think in high-stress situations. You, it's, it's not good. And so, you know what I did? I started believing this lie. I'm not a problem solver. Very young age, eight years old, I'm not a problem solver. And the shame, this saran wrap right here, that, that represents shame. Yep, hang on to it. It just squeezed me tight. And it began to hold that belief system into place that there is something wrong with me, that I have, that I am broken in some way. And 
Shame has a partner. He actually has a couple of them. Fear always accompanies shame. When you believe that there's something wrong with you, when you believe that I'm not a problem solver, instantly fear comes along and says, what if somebody finds out that you can't solve problems, that you're broken in some way? And so fear begins to speak to us. Which one's my fear? Ah, what if other people find out? And then, you know, there are other t- situations in my life that things happen and the shame just begins to squeeze me tighter. And it begins to hold those belief systems in place. So then uh, comes along, uh, my sister's going to remember this too. There was this one time that my sister and I were dancing in our front yard. And I'll never forget, we were, we were dancing to Manic Monday. <laughs> and we were making up work, or like making up dance moves. And I'm telling you, we were like, <sighs> it was like awesome. Cartwheels, were, there were cartwheels in this dance. And it was amazing. We were having the best time ever until our neighbors pull up over there. And they start literally pointing and laughing at us. Like, who do you think you are? They, like, legit said that. Who do you think you are over there? You look so stupid. And they are, that was the first time I had ever encountered that. I was like, I, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know people did that. And I remember just being like, it was that wash of shame. And I remember thinking that I have, I have no creativity. I can't, there's nothing that I have that anyone's going to value And that shame that day, the shame of being bullied, the shame of being made fun of, just squeezed me tighter. And it just held in more of that belief system that there's something wrong with me. So then came the situation that I told you guys about, about my me box, right? When I was in art. And so then that happened. And we we don't have to go over that. But I began to think, I, I literally have nothing to offer. There's nothing in me that's good. I don't have creativity. I don't have, um, I can't problem solve. I I don't have anything to offer anyone. I'm just this blank slate. And so this is the theme of every woman. I'm not enough. And we are sent that message daily daily in the media, in magazines, on TV. You're not skinny enough. You're not smart enough. You're not a good enough mom. You don't, uh, whatever, all of it. It's you are not enough. I am not enough. I, I will never be enough. I can't keep the house clean, the laundry done, the, the food cooked, the this and that, and still do ministry and still do this. It is. I'm not enough. And that is how a woman organizes shame. This is how she holds her shame. And this is how she does her life. And it's just squeezed. And so situation after situation happens where she believes the lie that I'm not enough. And then on the daily, she's reminded that she is not enough. Everywhere she goes, at work, at home, in, on the TV, everywhere. And that shame just begins to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze. Okay. So, for men, 
We're going we're gonna to make up some scenarios about Bruce over here. Um, Bruce was on a baseball team when he was eight, and he was good. I mean, like, really, really good. And he could pitch. But uh, the coach, his son was a pitcher also and uh, really wasn't uh, really wasn't a great pitcher. He wasn't good like Bruce was. But since that was the coach's son, he's the one that got chosen to do everything. And Bruce got overlooked because his father wasn't in his life very much. He didn't have anyone encouraging him and breathing life into him. And so because of that, he kept wondering, what's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me that my coach keeps overlooking me, that he's not using me. And the shame just covered him because he knew he was good. He knew he was. When he was at home and he would practice, he was so good. But nobody recognized it. So then, Bruce had this father who was very critical. And anytime he would ever do any yard work, he would take Bruce outside and he would show him about how, you know what, uh, right here, this grass right here, I wanted it at an angle. And you did it like that, and that's not good. It looks really bad. And he was constantly criticizing him, constantly correcting him, and never breathes any good into him. And so he was believing I'm not valuable. I don't have value. I don't do anything right. Constantly being corrected. Constantly messing up. And so this is the biggie. That men, this is the thing. There's two different lies that men carry. And one is, I cannot be weak. I cannot show weakness. If I show you that I'm weak, You'll rip me apart, and I will, I will never be okay. I cannot be vulnerable. I cannot show that I'm, that I'm weak at all, which supports this lie. I cannot fail, ever, because when I do, it just wrecks me. And every time... Every day, Bruce is faced with this thing of, I can't be weak and I cannot fail. And when he does, that shame wraps tighter and squeezes tighter and paralyzes him to the point where he can't function. And he's held back. (laughs) So, again, we can talk about this when it comes to abuse and how abuse causes us to do certain things, remember? Okay, so here's the thing. Because Bruce can't be weak and he can't fail, he's a perfectionist. And because Susie is not enough, she says, why try? I'm not even going to try. There are some other people who, um, well, we'll talk about that in a second. So, (laughs) 
This is how most of us are in the body of Christ. Actually, this is how most of us are in the world. We're covered in shame. We're covered in lies. We're covered in this, um, these false belief systems that cause us to manifest in these controlling behaviors, perfectionism, or, or just kind of holding yourself back like, I'm just not even going to do it. And, and you guys all know, you're sitting here going, oh, yeah, I'm in the why try category. I already know that. Some of you are like, oh, dang, I'm the perfectionist. There's another category of the people pleasers. Some of us are all of them. It just depends on the time of day. <clears throat> so we've got Susie who says, why try? And she buries her talent. And she can't handle it. She can't. The thought of using her gift, of, of stepping out there, of, of doing anything, getting into the arena, the thought of that is like paralyzing. It's paralyzing. Now, some of us are like Susie, and we say, why try? But sometimes, Alger, give me your coat. Sometimes we get in church, and the Holy Ghost comes over us, and we like... We get all covered in the glory like this, right? And it's like, what's that shame? I don't even know. And we're like, I got a prophetic word. I'm going to go to the mic, and I'm going to get it. Or we're crazy enough to do like a Sunday night service, right? And we're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out, and I'm going to use my gift. Woo! Yeah, because the Holy Ghost is all over me. And then we leave. <laughs> and the anointing leaves. <laughs> And how many of you guys have gotten home from church and been like, why did I get on that microphone? Yes. <laughs> what was I thinking? I sounded so stupid. I sounded so stupid. Why did I do that? Oh, my gosh. I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing it again. So we go back to doing this, right? Y'all have done it. Some of you are like, no, well, I haven't done it because I know better. <laughs> I know better than to do it. Okay, so I don't have this up here because I don't have a third person. There's another group of people who manifest their shame in a certain way, and those are the people pleasers. Those are the get-her-done people pleasers. I'm going to do it all. I'm not going to say no to anybody. You need something done? I'm going to do it because you ask. You ask me, I say yes, okay, whatever, no problem. Just got to get it done. Now, the why try people are so thankful for the get her done people. Because they just get to sit back and be like, y'all just do you. You just keep on doing. Because I'm just going to sit here not doing nothing. Because it makes me feel better. And the get her done people are like, yes, yes, yes. And they're juggling these balls. I got 10 balls in the air. Like, oh, I dropped some balls and nobody's going to notice. And then they have no, and, and they get to this place where they're like, <laughs> I've said yes to just about everything I can say yes to, and my life's falling apart. You know, you can juggle 10 balls for a season, and then you're going to fall apart. But shame keeps you <laughs> from humbling yourself and going, you know what? I've failed. <laughs> I cannot juggle these 10 balls that I said yes to, and I need to do something about it, right? 
Okay. So then there's the perfectionists. We've got like Bruce. You drive yourself crazy and others crazy. They all want to strangle you and your criticism and your little perfectionism and your need to do everything just right. <laughs> if you're not smothered in your sleep, then... <clears throat> no, but the, the perfectionist... <laughs> um, the perfectionist, as Bruce, is his own worst critic. And here's the thing. If Bruce is a boss of something or a leader of something, it really does manifest as being critical. Because other people's failures become your failures. You own it. You wear it. And it's crippling. Yep. And so... Um, And the funny, crazy thing is that if you're a critical leader and you're trying to lead people like Susie, <laughs> like, that just ain't going to work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to send Susie like, woo, no thank you. I don't want none of that. You poking my shame and stuff. But we're going to get to that later as well. Okay. You two, just hang out and be cute right there, just like that. Okay, because now I'm going to teach, and you're not going to get freed until later. Okay, sorry about that. They didn't know when they signed up. <laughs> okay, so have you recognized which group you're in? Yes? Okay. Come on. So the why tries. Give me a little love. Why try? Oh, go in and out. Give me, give me, give me all the groups you fall in. Why try? Give, give me some. <laughs> I know. Okay, we got uh, the uh, people pleasers. Get her done. Get her done. Who's in the get her done group? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Okay, perfectionists. Okay, all right. <laughs> You're get her done. You're get her done. <laughs> She's like, I don't know where I am. I know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're in everything. You're get her done. <laughs> it's not always a bad thing, though, okay? Because, so, dang, we got to get some work done. But um, uh, <laughs> Okay, so So why am I bringing this up? Right? Shoot, I love that. Whose idea was that? <laughs> okay, so I want to explain something to you guys. Not only do I have a passion for people to find their giftings, for people to walk in it, for people to use it, for people to manifest all that they've been created to be, is that you guys are in a house that longs for that as well. Like, do you realize that Sunday night service is specifically for newbies? Like, like that's, that's what this is for. 
Um, <clears throat> you'll find it difficult to come across another place that isn't just laying it out there, begging you to use your gifts. Because here's something else I need you to understand is that not all of us had a Sunday night to cut their teeth on when they were practicing using their gift. I'll never forget my first Sunday morning preaching a message. It was 2009. And it was a Sunday morning. The first person I told that I wanted to preach a message to, they, they snarled and giggled at me and laughed at me. I'm not kidding. So the fact that I was even going to put myself out there to, like, to preach was, like, it was huge. I was covered in shame. I was Susie. Actually, I was a get-her-done at that time. But I was covered in shame, completely covered in shame. And, but I knew what God was telling me to do, and I was like, dude, I'm going to do it. So I went to Tom and Eric, and because they love me and because they believe in the gifts in me, they are like, well, give me your notes. And I gave them my notes, and they're like, well, it's biblical, so go ahead. <laughs> and do you guys realize, I honestly, we need to go back in the records. I honestly believe that that, no, Joel, I bet Joel beat it. Besides the time that Joel preached, I would guarantee you that that was the hugest crowd that we had ever had. People came from all over, and I don't even know why, because I didn't invite them. It just happened to be a Sunday where everyone, like, everywhere. There was a couple from North Carolina that was just driving through and happened to come here. Like, this place was full. I mean, full. <laughs> and I was new. And I was like, oh my God, Jesus, what have you gotten me into? Like, if you could have felt the feelings that I was feeling in that moment, I could have died. Like, just dead. Died dead. And I gave it all I had, and I would hate to listen to it now because I have no idea what I, I don't even know. <clears throat> and I left and I went home and I freaking laid in my bed and I cried for days. Days. Because I spent like 50 hours on this thing. 50. <laughs> 50 hours on this message and I poured it all out on this Sunday morning in 45 minutes or less. No, it was more I'm sure because I always go long. And it's a problem. So, and then I just cried and cried because I was so, it was just like what happened. And I was like, why did I do that? Oh my gosh, I'm never going to do that again. It was so awful. I just made such a fool of myself. It's just awful. I don't ever want to do it again. It was, have I painted the picture dramatic enough for you yet? Do you guys understand how painful it was? I mean, I need you, I need you to understand the pain. <clears throat> so... Okay, good. Maybe a little bit more. I may need to RTF it. I may. I may need to get some healing. But what I'm saying is, is that Sunday nights, man, we should have a wait list. Do you know how many people are called to teach in this place? Because here's another question. Do people learn from you? Then you're a teacher. Like, literally. If you, if you want to know if you're a teacher, do they learn from me? Oh, yeah. Am I constantly turning things into a teaching in my head? If that's you, you're teaching. Sign up. Do it. <coughs> yes, you are. Danny Kramer said so. And, but I think this is like a pep talk, because not everybody is called to 
using their giftings in the church either. Because some of you are going to leave here and you're going to be like, I'm going to go start that restaurant. I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to go make a book full of bridges and pictures <laughs> and publish it. <laughs> I'm going to go use my gift. That that is what I want you guys to leave here with is this thing of like I'm going to go and use my gift. But I want you to know that this body is preparing people to go globally with their gifts. Okay? If you're here, if you're called to this place, you are called to be great. Actually, if you're on this planet, you're called to be great. But <clears throat> what I'm saying is, is that we are all called for something great. We are all called to do something. Yep. So, in this place, there's a baby step for almost any ministry that there is. Being a shepherd partner with someone and co-lead a life group are you a teacher or preacher sign up for Sunday night service are you a singer or musician get on the worship training team are you an evangelist we have an evangelism team you know there is there's so many opportunities for you for you to use your gift but still it goes back to what keeps you from using it and every time it is shame Every time. <clears throat> and when you're cloaked in shame, we believe that we are powerless victims to correction, to accountability, and we are completely powerless to all-out criticism because we don't want it. Shame hates correction and criticism. It hates accountability. <clears throat> and why? Because it points out the very lie that we already believe about ourselves. It's as if, okay, so shame likes to keep everything hidden and everything in the dark and everything covered up. Like all of this stuff, like I believe that I'm not enough, but like I don't want anybody to know I believe that, right? And so we try to cover that up and we hide it and we that's why it's all wrapped in that shame and shame loves secrecy and and all of that stuff. So if if Susie were to go and she were to you can sit. If she were to like use her gift like on a Sunday night and teach, right? Well, she's got this lie that says she's going to put why try on the shelf for just a short minute. I'm not enough. But if I come at Susie and I give her a critique and I say, okay, Susie, listen, in your notes I noticed that this was going on and that's going on and all this, you know, and in your delivery you said um 6,000 times. So do you know what that is? So if you're cloaked in shame and you believe all these lies, what happens is these lies that you believe actually look like big nasty sores. And whenever I go to, it's like I'm just poking it. It's like I just, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like a poke. And it's just digging in and just, ew. Like think about sticking your finger in somebody's sore. That's really gross. But that's what it's like. When you bring correction to somebody that's covered in shame and covered in lies, it's just like sticking your finger in, some, in, a, in, a, in a wound and just digging in. And we don't like that. So when we're covered in shame, we don't even hear constructive criticism with a real ear. We hear it as harsh criticism. We hear it as something that's, what are you guys doing? We hear it like it's something that's just, we just can't handle it. And we get defensive and we get offended. 
We get embarrassed and we get angry. And then we go back to, why try? We just go, I'm not going to do it anymore. Forget it. I did it. I tried it. I'm not going to do it again. How many of you guys have done that? Yep. Yep. You went out there. You got in the arena. You did it. And you got your butt kicked. <laughs> and you failed. And you went, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. Okay, <clears throat> so let's talk about a critical leader for a minute because it's a problem. And the belief is, is that if you have a critical boss, or you have a critical church leader, you have a critical husband, <laughs> if you have a critical whatever, which I don't have. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself, so I totally can't. <clears throat> Most of the time that we think we're powerless to it, we think, well, they're holding me back. I can't. Okay, let me tell you, is, is it a problem? Yes. But are you powerless to it? No. You are not held captive by someone else's criticalness. You are not held captive by someone else's shame and how they manifest their shame. You are not a prisoner to that. You are a powerful person. If you don't have the gaping wounds of shame all over you, they can be critical all day long, and it's just going to feel like, a little poke. The reason it hurts so bad is because it's a gaping wound. The reason it hurts so bad is because they're pointing out that the very thing that you already are afraid of people knowing about in the first place. It's that weakness. It's that thing of, um, I'm not enough. Oh my gosh, you're going to know that I'm not enough. Oh my gosh, when you ask me that question, I, I'm, I, I'm not enough to do, I, I can't do it. <clears throat> but you're not held captive to that. So the goal in relationships is not agreement. I don't have to agree with you, and you don't have to agree with me. Our goal in relationship is connection. So if you have someone in your life that's critical, you don't have to even agree with what they say about you. Like you, you just don't. You're not a prisoner to that. Your goal is connection to them, is to stay connected with them, to, to be honoring to them, but I don't have to agree with your assessment of who I am if it's critical. No, if it's got merit, then I better look at it for sure. <clears throat> okay, so how are we doing on time? Are you guys getting bored? No? Okay. Okay. All right. So, now we talked about that. So, I talked about this. I'm like repeating myself in my notes. My headache's going away. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. 
that was really intense. Like, I thought it was bad. Okay. <clears throat> so, no, we're going to go over it. Jesus says too, so I say yes. Okay, so, um, when it comes to using our gifts and talents, especially for this place, um, there are certain things, you know, that God... There's certain there's certain accountability that that we need to have, you know. There's um, if you're going to do a Sunday night service like this, you've got to submit your notes. You know that just makes sense. Um, afterwards, there's going to be a debriefing where they're going to sit you down and go, okay, hey, let's talk about it. You know, and I I talked about that before. Um, if you're on the worship team, if you're on the training team, there's going to be correction. It's going to be like, hey, your harmony's off, drop out. You know what I mean? Stuff like that's going to happen, and you got to be okay with it. It's this thing of like, the reason it hurts, the reason it's so painful is because we've got shame and we believe that we're not enough. If we can get free from that shame, it doesn't matter. You can just be like, hey, listen, and you just be like, okay, I got this. I can do it. And you keep pressing forward and you keep moving forward. So don't we all want to be that secure? I mean, if you think about it, don't you all want to be correctable? Don't you want to be able to use your gift to come back and be like, okay, what'd you think about it? Okay, you need to do this, this, and this. And be like, okay, put me in, put me back in, coach. I'm going back in. You know, don't you want to do that? Don't we want to be in the ring fighting the fight, getting our butts kicked and we're marred and slain? And then, you know, it's like Rocky and we come back at the end. And You know what I'm saying? Like, don't you want to live your life daring greatly? Isn't that something that you want? But then... Let's get rid of the shame, okay? (laughs) Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to just take a moment. And I want you to imagine what your life would look like if you didn't have shame. If you didn't have fear. If you didn't have this belief system that said, why try? What would it look like? Just close your eyes and just take a minute. Now, how many of you had a hard time envisioning anything? How many of you are like, "Mm, nope, don't want to get rid of it. It keeps me safe. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, well, you don't know what it looks like. How many of you guys really saw something really awesome? Okay. How many was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Okay. Let me tell you the story. I was at RTF. I was at that week-long conference of, of emotional healing. And it came the time where it's time for me to break off shame. And I, it was time for me to have this moment with the Lord where I handed the Lord my shame and he was going to give me something in return. And I remember being there and I was in this moment and my eyes were closed and I was having this moment with Jesus and I was holding on to the shame and I was like, nope, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. And they were like, why? And I said, because I'll be naked. Like, it's covered me for my whole life. What? I don't even, I won't be protected. This is what keeps me safe. This is what keeps me from getting in situations where I make stupid mistakes and I hurt people or I look stupid or whatever. Shame keeps me safe. It keeps me hidden. It keeps me clothed. It keeps me comforted. 
Why would I give that up? <laughs> Why? And so they were like, well, <laughs> you know, like, you, what are you going to do? And I was like, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm just going to try. So the Lord reminded me of the story of Adam and Eve and how whenever Adam and Eve were in the garden and um, they, long story short, they did the same thing that I did. After they sinned, they went and they, they put fig leaves on to cover themselves. That was shame. And the Lord's like, listen, <laughs> nice try on the fig leaves. Uh, I'm going to sew you some animal skins. This is better. Because the animal skin was the first word picture. It was the first pointing to the cross of the first sacrifice of the blood that was shed for Jesus. And the animal skins then covered them. And I was like, all right, even Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves. Okay, fine. I'll trust you, Lord. What do you want to give me in return for my shame? And he, whoo, he gave me, I got this vision of this warrior bride armor. He gave me the armor of God in the picture of a bridal dress. You know, the armor of God is referred to in Ephesians, and mine was a wedding dress, and it was stinking awesome. Like, it had the breastplate like this, and it had all these things, and I had a crown for a helmet, and it was, and I had my things, and my sword, and my, it was awesome. And I was like, dude, I am like so powerful. And he's like, yeah, this is who you are. This is how I see you. This is the clothing that I've given you. You guys, we've been given clothing. It is the armor of God. It's the glory of God. We don't have to cover ourselves in the shame any longer. Do you guys want to start going up there? You don't have to cover yourself in shame any longer. There is no, there's no reason to not give it. And I'm telling you, I have, I believe that God is going to give us a supernatural deliverance of shame tonight. I have full confidence in the Lord. I absolutely know that God is just going to take it from us. He's going to, he is going to take us the shame away. He's going to begin to speak to us about who we are, about those wounds that are in Bruce and Susie, that are in all of us. All of the women who believe this lie that we're not enough, and the men who believe the lie that I cannot be weak, I cannot fail. We're going to break free from that. Are you guys cool with that? Okay. So here's what I want you to do. I would love it if you would come forward. Come to the front if you want to get delivered. And I want the women on this side, and I want the men on this side. So we're going to begin to play this song. We're going to play the song, No Longer Slaves. And the first verse, it starts, You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. And I want you to think about, just like Bruce and Susie up here, I want you to think about the Lord is going to unravel you. He's going to unravel this shame that you're surrounded in. The Lord's going to begin to prime that pump. He's going to begin to just take that off. 
And we're just going to sing for a minute first, and then we're going to go through some repenting. We're going to allow the Lord to speak to us. Are you guys all okay with that? Okay. All right, let's go here. Okay, now we're going to take some time, and we're going to repent. Because some of us have buried our talent. We've buried the awesome, beautiful, powerful gifts that God has given us because of shame. And we've got to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I repent. So I want you guys to just repeat after me, okay? All right. Father God, I confess my sin of burying my talent and using control <laughs> to hide what you've given me. I repent for using fear to keep me from doing good works for you. I receive your forgiveness. Okay, now we're going to take some time because fear, control, and shame, it's spiritual, you guys. It is spiritual. And we've got to break agreement with that thing. And we've got to tell that thing to go. Okay? Are you ready? I want you to repeat after me. I break agreement with the demon of shame, of fear, and control. And I send that spirit to the feet of Jesus. You have no power over me. You have no authority in my life. You will never return. Woo! Amen. Woo! Woo! All right. Ooh. Okay. Now, women, we got to deal with the lie. Are you ready to repeat after me? We're going to deal with the lie that says I'm not enough. We're going to deal with that. You ready to get rid of it? Yes. Okay. Say right now, I refuse to believe the lie that I am not enough. Jesus, what is your truth? Close your eyes right now and just listen. See what he shows you. Receive what he's showing you. Allow yourself to just feel his presence and hear what he has to say. Just take a moment. Okay, men. <clears throat> Are you ready? Woo! You ready? I refuse to believe the lie. That mistakes mean that I am weak. And that weakness means I'm a failure. Jesus, speak to me your truth. Just listen. I'm no longer a slave to shame. I am no longer a slave to shame. Yes. Woo!
Listen, guys, you got to fight through it. You got to fight through it. There's going to be some of you that are saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't want to get rid of it. Listen, you got to fight through it. Fight through it. I choose to believe you, God. I choose to believe that I am your child. I choose to believe it. Okay, now listen up, guys. Listen, keep going, keep going. Right now, spirit of prophecy is rising up. Spirit of prophecy is rising up. Spirit of prophecy is rising up. The Lord wants to speak to you about what your gift is. He wants to tell you. He wants to tell you why you've been put on this earth. He wants to tell you. He wants to give it to you in this beautiful package, and he wants to show you, and he wants to trust you. He wants to give it to you and say, listen, you're my child. I love you. I want you to know. I want you to know these things that I've given you. I want you to know. So right now, this is what I'm going to believe for. I'm going to believe that you're just going to have an encounter with Jesus right now. And I just want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes and I want you to envision Jesus right there in front of you. He's right in front of you. And he's got a gift for you. He's got a box. And it's all wrapped up in whatever your favorite packaging is, however you want it to look. And he's walking towards you. And he wants to hand it to you. So I want you to put your hands out. And I want you to receive the gift that God is giving you. Hold out your hands and receive it. Woo! All right. Now, I want you to open it. Open it up. What is it? Can you see it? Can you see what it is? Do you have musical notes popping up? What do you have? What do you have? Is it a piece of paper? Is it a notebook? What is it? What is this thing that God has given you? I want you to press into that and just say, okay, Lord, I receive it. I receive what you have for me. I receive what you have for me. Everybody got it? Give me a hand when you have it. Raise up your hands. I know what God showed me. Okay, now, raise your hand. If, you're, if it's not clear what God showed you, raise your hand. All right, everybody look around. Look around and see the people with their hands up right now. Spirit of prophecy, rise up. Go prophesy. Go prophesy right now. Pray with them. Pray with them. Where's Alger? Yeah, okay. Is everybody praying for somebody? There we go. All right, spirit of prophecy, rise up. Yeah, just go. Yeah, yeah, if you see anyone. Woo! Okay, anybody else got their hand up without somebody praying for him? You, 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 you're mine. 
Okay, everybody got it? Okay, we're going to worship, and we're going to pray, and we're going to prophesy over each other right now. Spirit of prophecy, fall. You stay right there. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your, for your spirit and for your love and for your Holy Spirit. And I just pray right now that the spirit of prophecy would just rise up in all of us. I thank you, God, for making it clear these spiritual gifts in us. I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to dance with all of our hearts. Woo! You are mighty one. Praise his name for all he's done, all he's going to do in you. Woo! You are mighty ones. You are mighty. The Lord just showed me something. When we were up here dancing, listen, do you remember how that shame was falling off? That shame was falling off? That's what we're going to do. We're just going to keep dancing. We're going to keep dancing in every bit of shame that we have. Every bit of it is just going to fall off of us. We're just going to dance that shame right off our body. Are you ready? Here we go. All right, come on. If you ain't moving, you got problems. All right, let's go. Let's move. Yeah. We're not just up here looking stupid, guys. We're doing something in the spirit. Our dance is a weapon. It is a weapon. And we are coming against the powers of hell right now. This is not just a stupid ritual. This is powerful. We're actually doing something here. We're pushing back hell with our dance. So just go for it. If you want some more deliverance, if you just want to know what God's called you to do, we're going to have some people that stay after a little bit. But this is officially the end of the service. <laughs> but here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave with courage, okay? I want you to leave with your armor. You're gonna leave with armor and courage to go out there and kick some devil butt, right? Okay, and we're not asking for perfection. We're not asking for you to do it right every time. Nobody's asking for that. We just want you doing it. Just get out there and do it and use your gift and be teachable, and mold it, and construct it, and just keep going. So, Father God, I thank you for courage. I thank you for courage. I just pray for a supernatural dose of courage in all of us. I thank you, Lord, for your protection. I thank you for the blood of Christ that covers all of us, and that you, we have all been given the gift of the armor of God that protects us, that we no longer need shame to protect us, that we have your armor. We thank you for that, Lord. We just praise your name. Amen. Oh, yes. Hold it. Bree's got some. Okay. Is this thing working? Okay. <laughs> okay. So normally I'm like, I got to see all these ladies. Okay. Normally I'm like super, super nervous, but I'm not right now. Okay. So the lie for women is that we're not enough, but the Lord just showed me because I feel that I'm a terrible mom. And I know that's a lie. But the Lord showed me that as women, we are enough. We are enough to create life. Yeah. We are enough to sustain life. Like, yes. that is a miracle in itself. Yes. So we are enough. Yes. Amen. We are enough. Amen. Woo! Look at that. We've got first fruits right there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay. You got something, too? The word encourage needs to be strong in heart. So everybody leave with a strong heart tonight. Amen. amen, amen. All right. Okay, if you want prayed for, we're over here. If you want to tell me what you got free of, 
I'm over here too. <laughs>